Hi, this is David Orlovsky, and welcome to the Robert Orlovsky Show. Whether you watch with our friends over at Tour Anytime, or wherever you watch or listen to your podcast, as always, happy to have you along. And uh, this uh, episode is sponsored anonymously as a source for the donors, uh, good friends of the show, and they should have only simcha and and nachas from their children and grandchildren, and uh, and uh, and gesund and parnosa ala gutezachen. Okay, so uh, we are officially in Benazmanim now. And uh, this is time for vacation. Some people refer to it as chofesh, right? Vacation. Uh, I had a friend of mine learning in the old days in Yeshiva Mishkan Atayra, which was uh, known on the street as split tree. Uh, Itri on the Rebbe Elephant was one of the major yeshivas in Eretzel, and they tend to suck up everybody, all the talent, all the people. And uh, you can only have that many uh, talented people in one place. So eventually a group of them broke off and started their own yeshiva called the Mishkanatayra. It was known as Splittree. Eventually one of them went off and started another yeshiva, which they called Split Three. But uh, that's for another story. Anyway, he was learning, and he said uh, it was almost Bein Zmanim. It was the end of the Zman. And uh, everybody was looking forward to... Uh, People had tickets to Europe. People had different things they were going to do. And Rosham Shadron came to speak. This is how he describes it. He says, and he looks at us and he goes, Chofesh? Maza Chofesh? Yehudi Elo Chofesh? <laughs> Freedom? Purik Ol? Yeah, that, there's no such a thing. And uh, he pushed everyone to stay for an extra week in the yeshiva. People canceled tickets, people did a whole thing. Yeah. So, I mean, look, you have to understand what it means. It means when we say chofesh. The Torah describes Shevet uh, Yisocha, which represents the Shevet of learning Torah as a strong boned donkey, who rests with the burden on his back and is able to get back up. What does that mean? I mean, even when we're resting, we have the burden on our back. So, chofesh, uh, not nothing. No, it's not that there's no tzura, there's no davening, there's no, <laughs> we have to keep it up. A yeshiva bacha once wrote the chazanish. It says, uh, you know, how much do I have to learn? So the Chazanish says, well, uh, you know, uh, you're not a yeshiva man now. You're on vacation. Uh, you're like a balabas. So the Rambam says that a balabas uh, works three hours a day and learns nine hours a day. So you only have to learn nine hours. So he wrote him back, I don't learn that during the Zman. Chavesh! <laughs> <laughs> So, when we talk about vacation, yeah, we're talking about everybody needs a chance to rest and to recharge. Sometimes you just have to. And uh, 
the way the yeshivas were set up is that there's a certain amount of time built in throughout the year for us to take out that time and to recharge and to, and to relax. I remember I had a shir once, really, really exceptional guys. And they were all bright and highly motivated, you know? So, uh, so we had a, a, a vacation for Hanukkah. So they came back. I said, so what did you do? You know, you had a vacation. What did you do? He says, oh, I had a chance to listen to all the Avigda Miller tapes I had saved up, waiting for a chance to listen to them. Oh, some people know how to have a good time. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, uh, you know, yeah, there's, there's, there's a certain amount of time that we need to be down and to be able to relax. It's also family time. Yeah. Um, uh, Or Sameach had an advanced kolel once upon a time called Meshachach, which is all part of Or Sameach's philosophy, which is making fun of Bali Chuba. So it wasn't bad enough that you had Or Sameach, which nobody could pronounce. Now it's Meshachach. <laughs> I have no question they took those names because they just wanted to make fun of Bali Chuba. <laughs> Asha Torah decided that Torah was too hard because everyone was going Asha Torah, you know? So they just changed it to Aish. You know, that was too, it was too hard for people. <laughs> anyway, that's not the real reason. I once asked for Mishila, why? And he said, because Meya Simcha of Davinsk didn't have any children. So we decided when we made the yeshiva, we would name it Or Sameach, which of course was his parish on the Rambam. And when they made this uh, uh, advanced kolel, so they called it Meshachachma based on uh, Rameh Simcha's uh, parish on the Torah. But, uh, you know, you have to think sometimes. Um, uh, people pick names that aren't always aware uh, of the significance of what could be uh, the meaning of it. When Bernie Madoff uh, was exposed for his uh, Ponzi scheme, my brother said to me, what do you expect from a guy whose name is Madoff? Didn't you realize he was made off with all your money? <laughs> so sometimes names, you know, you don't realize the significance of it. Um, I still think it's very strange that uh, when Degelatoris started their newspaper, they called it the Yateid Ne'eman. Because the Pesach in the Torah says that you should always carry a Yateid with you when you go out to battle among your tools to use it to dig a hole so when you have to go to the bathroom. And so this is the Yateid. <laughs> I thought, anyone ever think about that, you know? Uh, when the Hevra... Was it the Hevra or the Yeshiva uh, Boys Choir? It was one of those two, you know. They had a song that had a Pesach that had the words Pesach Pasuach. Now, anyone who's ever learned, we're in Dafyomi, we're in Ksuvas now, you know. Anyone who's ever heard the words Pesach Pasuach know what it means, you know, in a, in a Gemara context. If you don't know, don't worry, just skip this part. Yeah. So they have a whole bunch of people singing Pesach Pasuach. <laughs> Gosh. You have to have a little sense of sensitivity, in my opinion, you know. Um, there was a 
comedian, an American comedian who was working for Americans here in Israel. It's a pretty small, small uh, area. I don't know if he ever went on to become much of a success. <laughs> yeah, a real limited audience. You know, it's like becoming a comedian that only you know works for electricians. But anyway, um, so he says, I could stop Alia right now. He says, just pass the law that every boy has to be named Dudi, and every girl has to be named Osnat. <laughs> These are names that nobody even thinks about it, you know? Um, there was a uh, street where the, the famous Central Hotel always was. Um, it's Rehov in English, Pines. But that's not the way the Israelis pronounce it, and they have no idea what they're saying. Hashem. <laughs> As, you know, you hear certain words. People people don't realize what they're saying. Yeah, a bakery is a mafia. And uh, I saw somebody uh, in a supermarket. It was the Supersol uh, near the Plaza Hotel, and uh, there was some American woman there. And someone said to him, "A for mafia." She goes, "The mafia? I don't I don't know what the mafia is. What, what does the mafia here?" <laughs> You know, people don't don't always appreciate, you know, you hear certain words, certain ideas, what goes into it, you know. So um, this is a time when we need to relax. We need to to recharge, put ourselves back together. That's that's what this time is is supposed to be used for people who are who are working, obviously. You're sitting and learning, really shtiking. So uh, I mentioned this because uh, uh, I was talking to somebody, Meshach Chachma, um, about uh, the kola. And uh, I was asking him some questions. I was on the phone maybe 15 minutes, and he says, I'm sorry, I have to hang up the phone. I said, oh, okay. He says, my wife says, You're not, I'm not allowed to spend any time with anyone except the family during this time. Because they had a very long schedule. When you learned to Meshachachma, you had to put in three Sudarim. And so uh, you learned at night. So the only time he really had to see his family was during Benazmanim. So, uh, so this is, this is an opportunity not only for us to recharge, but for us to spend time with our family. Now, if you're a Yeshiva Bachar, it means you come home, you're able to spend time with your family. If you're in learning, it gives you a chance to Spend time with the family. And in general, the summertime, people tend to take what we call vacations. I don't want to call it chofesh. Yudi elo chofesh. have a vacation. Time to unwind and a time to spend quality time with the family. So I want to tell you two stories. Story number one was a friend of mine who was a Rosh Hashiva. Uh, he came from New York. And uh, um, he moved his family to an out-of-town community where he did not feel that the local girls were maintaining the same standards that he wanted for his daughter. But those are the only people there. So, of course, that's who she associated with. Those were her friends. And every now and then she'd say, Ta, the girls are going here. And he says, uh, we don't do that in our family. He says, Ta, the girls want to do whatever it is. Because we don't do that in our family. 
And after about three or four times, she looked at him and said, what do we do in our family? He told me over the story, and he said, and I realized, I don't know what we do in our family. (laughs) I only know what we don't do in our family. I was talking to a girl who was in seminary, and she said to me, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. You know, and she says, and I was always a good girl. I never went any place I wasn't supposed to go. I didn't do anything I wasn't supposed to do. I wasn't associating with anybody. You know, I did everything I was supposed to do. I said, well, you're giving me a whole list of the things you didn't do. What did you do? Didn't you do something? No. Because my goal was to stay out of trouble. Keep your head down. Um... I was speaking to a fellow I know who sent his daughter to what's considered the best high school in Yerushalayim. And he says, I'll tell you what it's like, he says to me, this school. He says, um, I, uh, I, was, I went to dental school. And uh, they bring in people, basically, who are coming to the dental clinic to get work done because they can't afford any place else. And so we practice on these people. So obviously, you look for the easy case because you'll get a good mark. So you look for someone who just needs a cavity or just needs this or needs that. But you're not looking for a complicated case. Anyway, after a few months, I said, I'm not learning how to become a dentist. I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, you know, trying to pass. So the next time he took the hardest case and he tried his best and he did a poor job and he got a bad mark. And I had a program called him in and said to him, what are you doing? He says, I'm trying to become a dentist. He says, your job here is to get good marks and graduate without anyone ever knowing who you are. That's the goal. I'm not interested in hearing any exceptional things about you. He looked at me and said, that's the high school my daughter goes to. Just do what you're supposed to do and keep your head down. So the girl says, I'm not happy. Of course you're not happy. You don't have anything. The Masil Shisharim is based on a bracer of Pinchas ben Yair, of which there are a number of versions. He has a particular version of the bracer. Torah Mavili de Zahiris, Zahiris Mavili de Zrizis, Zrizis Mavili de Nikias, and it continues. And he says a number of times that the Seder is Dafka. You have to follow the Seder of the Masil Shasharm. It's set up for a reason. So what's Zahiris? Zahiris is stopping to think before you do anything. Should I do this or not? And he calls that Surmeira. Don't do anything wrong. He says, but you can't be a Jew just by not doing anything wrong. You have to do something good. And as much as the Yetzirah wants to get you to do something bad, he wants to stop you from doing something good. Zrizis is doing something good. It's the Asei Tov. It's filling yourself with an excitement and a love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So it's not enough to say, I'm sore, Meira, I didn't do anything wrong. But what did you do good? What did you do right? This is one of the big problems when we make a chesh and nefesh. When people make a cheshman and nefesh, they go over all the things they did wrong. But we don't go over all the things we did right. 
And Rashi says, every good thing you do is worth 500 times a bad thing that you do. And you don't even realize all the good things that you do because you don't pay attention to them. My father of Shalom, Polish Yid, he used to say to me, he says, my job as a parent is to tell you when you're doing something wrong. When you do something right, I expect it. So he could never say a word of praise. He just couldn't. I remember he only had a couple of months left to live and I had started my career as a public speaker. And I said to him, Dad, I spoke over here to 200 people. I spoke over here to 300 people. I'm going to be speaking the Javits Center to 1,000 people. You know, He said to me, doesn't the Torah say you're not supposed to brag? I said, Dad, I'm doing this for you. I'm so impressed with myself, I couldn't be any more impressed. But I thought you might get some nachas. And he goes, you know, whatever. So afterwards, he called up everybody. Yeah, David's speaking over here. He's speaking over here. He's doing... <laughs> but he couldn't say a good word to me. He just couldn't. Yeah. So, so we don't celebrate the good things we do. Our job is to point out when we do something wrong. And that's what people are there for. I just heard this story yesterday about Hillel Mandel. Hillel Mandel is a master mechanic, teaches mechanchen. And he was the principal of a school and he told all of the teachers, if a kid's misbehaving and you can't handle him, send him to the principal. I'm the principal. On one condition, you have to send that kid nine times to me to get praise. Each time you're going to throw that kid out of class and send him to the principal, you got to find nine times when the kid's doing something right and say, go to the principal and with this note and tell him how good you're doing. An amazing idea. Because we're very good at pointing out when everyone's doing things wrong. They did a study, 90% of what parents say to kids is negative. So we don't accentuate the positive. Accentuate the positive, right? So uh, it's it's it's... Something that we need to focus on. So, what do we do in our family? <laughs> and that is the question going into this Benazmanim that I want to try to address. Ask yourself, what can I do with my kids that they're going to enjoy? Now, this is challenging. This is challenging if you have children of different ages. You know, can I know her? I have 11 kids. And when you have 11 kids, you know, and you have to try to entertain all of them, they come in, you know, all different types of uh, ages and they have all kinds of different needs and you have to try to come up with something that's going to appeal to all of them. And you have to really try to think it out. Now, when I was in NCSY, we had this expression. If during the meal, at some point we'd have the singing and dancing, you know, we'd get everybody up to dance. The term that they used for it was called spontaneous ruach. We would tell the, the advisors, we're going to have a spontaneous ruach in 10 minutes. <laughs> now, you have to wonder how spontaneous it is when it's planned, but you understand that that goes a whole different way when you plan it. Uh, over the years, I've been able to take my children to America, to England, to different kinds of things. But when I have a trip to America... And I've had times when I was able to take my entire family to America. Now, of course, with all the grandchildren, it's more difficult. But I was able to take the immediate family to America and pay for the airfares and pay for all of the, you know, the uh, things that we did um, just by speaking. I would speak, and it was enough to cover the cost of the trip. I was uh, 
Those were the good old days. So I would be taking my whole family to America. And I made up a itinerary beforehand. Now, okay, I'm not saying everyone's as creative as I am. You have to remember that I was in youth work for 10 years. So I was always making programming and I was making, you know, events and Shabbatunim and spontaneous ruach and stuff. So I, I had a different idea. You know, I'm a, I have a background in youth work. You know? But, you know, when people have something to focus on, it's a whole different thing. When I was learning Chavetz Chaim, so the Shiva asked if I would help uh, manage the kitchen. This was an Eretz The entire yeshiva came to Eretz it was a kitchen that was used to serving 25 bachrim, and now there were 200 people. It was pandemonium. And I was brought in to try to make Seder. And when I came in, the executive director was spending most of his day there. The secretary, the school, the yeshiva secretary was spending most of her day there. There was a menayal mitbach. There were two chefs. There were two um, uh, assistant chefs. There were a couple of, uh, you know, custodial staff who were there. And then there was a whole bunch of work-study guys who were supposed to be helping out. And the, it was just pandemonium. No one could figure out what to do. So I, I realized I had a certain gift for organization. And I was able to turn everything around. Oh, Hashem. I, after a while, I worked myself out of a job because it was so organized. The, the system was so good. But one of the first things I did, because, you know, so much is perception. I started writing up a menu. Now, I didn't really change that much. But you have to remember that when I was a kid, my parents used to take us away to resort hotels. You know, resort hotels, they put out a menu. And I had saved a bunch of menus over the years because I just found them so fascinating. And so I used this, and I would make up a menu every day. It changed everybody's perception of the food. Breakfast. Fresh Israeli rye bread. Half sun-ripened grapefruit. Choice of cereals. Uh, uh, egg du jour. Uh, you know, whatever it was, I had, I had it up. Then for lunch, you know, soup du jour. You know, this kind of thing. You know, and I would just write up everything in such a way that you just look at it and you feel like, this is chashiv. <laughs> the perception is that it's chashiv. Yeah? And, and that's... You know what Salisbury steak is? It's a hamburger. <laughs> when you call it Salisbury steak, you know? When I moved to Far Rockaway, I was uh, on Sage Street. They had just renamed it um, West Lawrence. Because <laughs> it sounded better than East Harlem. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, perception, perception. The, 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 I remember reading once about a, a car company. They have a big press conference and they reveal the name of their next car. You don't see a car, you don't see anything, but they finally figured out the name. Yeah. So, uh, you gotta be careful. When Chevy came out with the Nova, which by the way, the first car I ever bought, uh, they had trouble selling it in South America because apparently Nova means doesn't go. <laughs> They should think about that, you know what I mean? Anyway, so um, uh, the, uh, the the perception. So I would make up a schedule. I'd say, today, Muncie Day. This is Queen's Day. This is, you know. 
And I would write up the schedule with the times and what we're going to do. And I cut and pasted little pictures into it. And everybody got a picture. Everyone got a copy of the schedule. It's so exciting. If, if I would have just, if they would have just every morning say, what are we doing today? I said, oh, I thought we would go, you know, visit, uh, you know, uh, Bobby and uh, Queens. And I go, what are we going to do there? Well, we'll say that. I had down, we're going to eat lunch over here. We're going to do this over here. We're going to do this over here. I had little pictures, different things. It was all planned out. It was very exciting. During Cholomoid, my kids know. I've been doing this for years. Yeah, I make a treasure hunt. I used to make it in the building. Now I make it, you know, around the neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, whoever wins gets to go out for dinner. Take them out for dinner. Of course, I usually make it that one spouse is on the other side, so they get to take a spouse. So it works out. Everyone gets to go out. But, you know, I have adult children. It's so much fun. It's so exciting. You know? And... and uh my uh, my daughter Esther and my son-in-law Avi, uh, they made up once. We were going away to uh, going away for uh, the summer together, you know, for a couple of days. They made a game. If you ever seen the game Apples to Apples, an Olowski version with a whole bunch of different words that would have to do with the family, and everybody had to match the word that you thought was, you know, closest to it. It's just a lot of fun, just a lot of fun. But you have to think about it beforehand. So if you want to have spontaneous ruach, you got to plan it out. If you want to have a meaningful time with your kids. So many years ago, an Avreich said to me, when we all had little kids, how do you make your children sit at the Shabbos table? I said, I don't. It's a privilege to sit at the Shabbos table. If they don't want to be there, so let them go and, uh, you know, play, uh, you know, with, with Coppola or whatever they had back then, you know. But, uh, but, it's my job to make a Shabbos table that they want to be at. That's my job. And I would think about it beforehand. When I make a Pesach Seder, I think about it. How can I make this something people want to go to? And so when you have Ben Azmanim, I, I talked about this once on Cholomoid, you know. What is most of Cholomoid spent doing? Um, waiting for everybody to get up. And then they have a long, you know, breakfast, lunch, you know, and keep making a lot of food is the next thing. And then begins the discussion, where should we go? Do you want to go here? I don't know. Maybe it'd be too crowded. You want to go, yeah, it's too late already. And you keep that going up until the supper and then you have supper and then, you know, you go to sleep. But anyway, <laughs> but when I used to plan my Pesach cleaning schedule, I also planned my Cholomoy trips. What are we going to do? Where are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? And people would quetch. People would quetch. And I was like, that's okay. I'll take whoever wants to come. And whoever did always had a good time. And then they would come back later. My first year in youth work, I had the Etz Jacob chapter of NCSY. And I, uh, I made this thing where every month, if there wasn't a regional Shabbaton, I made a chapter Shabbaton just for my kids. And uh, I would have a Friday night Oneg. We wouldn't have the meal together, Friday night Oneg. Shabbos morning, we would dive it together. We'd have uh, the Suda together, and I'd have someone come and speak. And uh, and I, I had this set up. So like Friday night, we would always have a discussion on something in the news, and I'd bring in an outside speaker by lunch, you know, 
And Charles Shooters, we would eat with the shul, so they got to see that they were getting something for their money. There were some actual kids in the shul. And then Saturday night, I'd have some kind of fun activity, or we'd have a trip on Sunday. That's how I would set up the uh, thing. So the first one I did, I said, we're going to do Torah game shows. So I had uh, a match game, Torah style. I had the $10,000 mug and David. I had, uh, instead of college ball, Torah ball. You know, I, I, anyway, the first game, I couldn't get anybody to go. I, wouldn't, I couldn't get anyone to volunteer, to, to participate. I had to, like, twist some arms of some of the kids that, uh, that I had some influence with at the beginning. I was just starting out to agree to be contestants. About 10 minutes into the first game, a whole bunch of kids come running up and say, I want to be in it. I said, well, you have to wait for the next game. He goes, no, no, but I really want to be in it. I said, I asked you. He goes, I didn't know it was going to be fun. Of course not. How could they know? I didn't have a track record yet. So it's my job to make it something that people are going to want to do. And so you have to decide beforehand, we're going to have some family time together. What are we going to do with it? So everyone could sit and play on their phones. That's always fun. Every now and then, uh, you know, look up at you and then go back down to the screen. <laughs> so, uh, so you have to really think about it. But what do I want to do with this time? Do we want to have a game? Do we want to go someplace? Do we want to make a trip? How, how are we going to do it? Let's talk about logistics. I planned it out. The more thought you put into it beforehand, and the goal has got to be, I want them to have a good time. And let's call a spade a spade. If you are not fun, and some people are not fun, you got to get fun people. Remember, Noach Weinberg said to me, look, there's no ruach in the yeshiva. This is in Aish, uh, 1983, I think it was. I think it was then. I'm trying to remember when it was that we had this conversation. He says, no ruach in the yeshiva. You know, have some ruach. I said, okay, so Motsi Shabbos, you know, make a, you know, make a kumzitz. You know, get one of the kumzitz people. I mentioned some of the people at the time. You know, come out with a guitar, sing some songs, you know, put out some, refreshments, you know, and I said, and you'll sit in the front. He goes, I don't like these things. I said, but if they don't see you there and they're not going to participate, you have to be part of the fun. Otherwise, they're going to be like, well, the Rashiva's not here. Why should I be here? So think about it. If you're not fun, bring in some designated fun people. When I used to staff for Shabbaton, you can't have all the same type of people. I had some people who were very good on one-on-one. Some people who were very good at giving classes. Some people were very good at speaking. Some people were just ruach you guys. And you need all kinds of different people. Because different people appeal to different people. I had a convention. These two guys come. And uh, they have a boom box and they're like blasting music and interrupting everybody. And, you know, evidently they were heavy metal people. This was in the 80s, you know. Like... So <laughs> I had a girl who was an NCSY and, um, and uh, she graduated and became an advisor. And she got engaged. It's kind of like, you know, slightly out of it, yeshiva guy. You know, it was like, you know, <laughs> and uh, 
Anyway, I didn't know he was a Balchuva. I didn't know that because he, he, he wore it so well, you know? You know the look I'm talking about, the pace behind the ears, a little dandruff on the shoulder, you know what I mean? The sort of schlumpy thing, then the, the shirt half out. You know, like, you know, that look, you know? <laughs> so she asked if he could come to the Shabbaton. So I figured, yeah, okay. Like, you know, it's a favorite to her, you know? Anyway, these two guys are there and everybody's just terrified of them. And he shuffles over. He goes, what are you guys listening to? I see, like, uh, the Ramones. Oh, yeah? I used to hang out with Joey. He says, what? He says, yeah, we went to school together. I know all of him. Anyway, that was it. The rest of the Shabbaton, they followed him around like like puppy dogs. If he said daven, they daven. If he said wash, wash. If, if he told them to grow pegs, they grow pegs. Whatever he told them, you know Joey Ramone? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what works? You know? So, so... You have to sit down and say beforehand, I'm going to have this time with my family. We don't just leave it to chance. Let's plan it out and make it as effective as we possibly can. And we're going to talk about some maybe fun things to do and effective programs and stuff. But again, one size doesn't fit anybody. So obviously each family is going to, is going to have their own time. You ever go to one of those families where they just like to tell like these kind of like corny puns and everyone thinks it's like, so funny and so clever and like, you know, and they just keep going back and forth and you want to kill yourself. <laughs> My family's not like that. My kids are outrageously funny, <laughs> like hysterically funny and also incredibly hurtful, uh, which unfortunately they get from my wife. What can I do? Uh, you know what I mean? Not everybody has my level of sensitivity and, uh, you know, <laughs> or as one of my kids once said, you know, uh, how do you become so sarcastic? You know, I went to sarcasm school. Really? No. <laughs> no. I would never say anything like that, of course. But anyway, so uh um so each family is gonna is gonna go their own way. I was waiting online to go to the Harry Potter uh ride in Los Angeles with two of my kids um in a summer in LA. It was somewhere between 100 and 150 degrees. I don't know exactly. I mean, you know, basically we were watching people melt before our eyes, you know. Anyway, how do we pass the time? We just tell really, really outrageous jokes. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's really funny. Anyway, there was this black kid who kept following us around, every, like, you know, a teenager, every place we went, because he just thought this is the funniest thing he ever saw in his life. <laughs> we, uh, we cross cultures, and that's, you know... I, I'm always amazed when uh, I go to England and people say to me, oh, were you successful in England? And I'm, they have a different type of sense of humor. Nope. They have just a good sense of humor like they do every place else. I always had a great time in England. They were all wonderful people. I had a terrific time. And I guess if you're of a particular type, maybe you don't go over so well over there. But uh, I have a certain universal language. Uh, yeah? <laughs> okay. And now the question and answer portion of our program. Anonymous asks, how come it is general practice to substitute Hashem's name when singing Shabbos Miros, i.e. Karibon instead of Hashem's name, Ribon? It seems like this was not the original intent based on how they are written. Thanks. You're right. (laughs) Ideally, it should be said with Hashem's name. The problem is that we repeat words. My wife had a very chashva, uh 
uncle who was a chazan in Toronto. Can't decline. And he came to uh, my son's bar mitzvah here in Israel. We came to do Musaf. He says, what's the minute here with repeating words during, you know, the evening? I said, um, you can do whatever you want. We don't do it here. He says, you know who matches it? You know, this one allows that one. I said, I didn't tell you what to do. You asked me. What do they do over here? Over here, they don't do it. You want to do it? Nobody's going to stop you. But if you ask me what they do, they don't do it. Yeah. And so, um, since people sing Zmiros where they uh, repeat the words, they don't want to repeat Hashem's name. And uh, that's why one of the classic Mizmola Davids, Mizmola David, Hashem Roi Lo, So there's, um, there's a lot of places where it repeats. And I heard somebody sing it without repeating any words, and he used Hashem's name. So if you can do that, but the reason that certain people, um, you see? So that's why, because of the repetition. Anonymous asks, any suggestions on ways to affect change and inspire a community of people to spend less? You first of all, have to turn to the institutions. For example, when I lived in Farakaway, so uh, Freifeld in Shayoshev had some very well-to-do people who would daven in the Yeshiva on Shabbos. But he had a policy. If you want to make a Kiddush in the shul, then it cost whatever it was, $150, this is what you get. There is no, there's no premium. There's no prime. There's no deluxe. This is the kiddush that we make for everybody. Whether you're an avreich, whether you're a billionaire, this is the kiddush the yeshiva provides. The same thing for everybody. And uh, it's it's such an amazing thing. It it changes obviously. The you know, one of the pshatim that I remember hearing a long time ago in Parshas Naso is they list the korban of Yehuda, then they list the korban of Yisocha, then they list, you know, and it's exactly the same over and over again. So I heard of Shad many years ago. It says that's because if twelve people have to bring the first time korban, no one's trying to up anybody else, no one's trying to outdo somebody and do it a little better and a little bit more. That was an unbelievable thing. Everyone said, we're going to bring the same thing. And so uh, that's that's only so much that you can do from that point of view. But there is something that you can do. I remember hearing this story. Um, uh, Aaron Weiner, uh, who lived in Chicago and moved uh, to Eretzel. So when his kids would get bar mitzvah, the rule was you couldn't keep your bar mitzvah money. He made a very simple bar mitzvah, and he would sit down with the children and decide which tzedakah they wanted to give the money away to. I heard this story, and I, I was very impressed and surprised. I remember telling it to somebody in Chicago, and he says, yeah, a lot of people were upset at him because he made 
other people feel bad for keeping the money. <laughs> but obviously, the best way to lower expectations is you start with yourself and you don't get caught in the game and the rat race. The problem is it's hard for your kids. And one of the reasons I moved to Israel, August will be 34 years, the end of August, uh, is because I realized I'm never going to be able to compete in America. My kids are always going to feel like they're deprived. So I will move to Israel where everybody's not making it. So I, I could not make it with the best of them. <laughs> so that's the best that you can do. And uh, the more that you lead by example, the better you're going to do. Anonymous asks, some people daven for years and Hashem ignores them. Some people get everything without davening. What does that mean? Does davening work or not? Okay. Hashem never ignores you. Never ignores you. Because uh, Baruch Hu might know that it's not right for you. Parshish Vezchanan. Moshe Rabbeinu davens 515 tefillahs to be able to be led into Eretzshah. And Hashem says, don't daven one more tefillah or I'll have to let you in. Could you imagine? Kid says to the parent, I want to do this. No, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do that. The mother says, just stop. Because if you ask me one, time, one more time, I'm going to say yes. But what Akash Baruch was telling Moshe Rabbeinu is, it's for your own good and the good of Klai Yisrael that you're not going in. Don't ask me again, because the power of tefillah is, as the old expression goes, be careful what you ask for, you might get it. And so if a Baruch Hu doesn't give you anything, it doesn't mean he's ignoring you. Or sometimes it's not the right time. I had a good friend of mine, Joe Werfel, married a lovely lady who was... Uh, 16 years as junior. Well, unusual. But he said by the Sheva Brachas, I became from as a teenager, and I realized that when I became from, that's when my Bashar was born. So sometimes you have to wait for the right time. Sometimes it's, it's a question of timing. And sometimes there are people who are of such um, weak belief that the Kosh Baruch Hu gives them what they want right away. That's what Shlomo Melech said when he put up the base of Megdash. He says, if a guy asks for something, give it to him right away. If it's a Jew, if he deserves it, fine. If not, not. And that's why we say in davening, Kaveh El Hashem. If that doesn't work, Chazak V'yam is the Becha V'Kaveh El Hashem. You just have to keep davening. And it could be now is not the right time. I right, one last question. Anonymous asks, where does alcohol play a role in Judaism? We know that we make Kiddush and Abdullah every week on wine, as well as get married over wine. It is a chashva drink that is at every simcha and many Shabbos and Yantif meals. Yet at the same time, we see how dangerous the effects of alcoholism can be. Any insight would be appreciated. You said it just as well as anything I could say. Alcohol is a controlled substance. Like all controlled substances, it's fine if it's being used in a controlled manner. Therefore, although the Christians turn their back on alcohol and call it the devil's brew and say there shouldn't be any alcohol and it's evil, we say, no, it can be used for Kiddush, for holiness. You can use it to uplift and to do 
beautiful things with, Kiddushin, make a Kiddush, all of these things that go with it. Of course, too much. And I refer you to the Das Kanim in Parsha Shmini, where he brings together all of the Chazal, where he discusses all the disasters that have happened to people from too much drinking. So, does drinking have a role? Sure it does. Yosef sends barrels of, of fine wine to Yaakov as he's coming down to Mitzrayim. Yeah, it, 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 wine can, of course, be used to be misameach, can used to, for chachamim, has all kinds of good purposes. But like every controlled sur- substance, some of it is good and too much of it is bad. And so there are vitamins that are essential. You take too much, you're going to get sick. You have to have the right amount. And that's the same thing with alcohol. Does alcohol have a purpose? Sure it does. Taken to excess, it will lead to terrible things. And therefore, one has to know how to use it like any other controlled substance. Okay, that's it for this show. If you want to find out more about the Rabbi Olavsky Show, go to my website, rabbiolavsky.com. You can leave a comment, you can send an email, you can sponsor an episode, and uh, you can sign up for one of our online shiurim. We have two Masil Shisharm shiurim, Dafyomi, and a, uh, uh, the Tefillah Shir, which is just about to finish the first Baruch of Shemona Esrei. I'm going to have a little see you. And uh, Ken Hala, got a lot more to do. And that's it for now. I'm David Olavsky, and this is the Rabbi Olavsky Show. It's the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. Torah and Simcha, ready to go. The Rabbi Orlovsky Show. Knowledge and wisdom will help you grow. Lots of fun in every episode. And we don't have to rhyme. No, we don't. It's the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. On RabbiOrlovsky.com. Torah, anytime. YouTube and more. It's Rabbi Orlovsky Show. Torah and Simba, ready to go. It's the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. Till next time, till we meet again. It's the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. It's the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. It's the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. Show.